this budget, I think, offers a lot of hope to what we're going to be communicating to customers in, in the near future. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of Electricity Canada. This episode was recorded on Zoom with my guests, Michael Powell and Julia Muggeridge of the team here at Electricity Canada. Julia and Michael joined me on the day after the Government of Canada released its 2023 budget to discuss what led up to the budget, what's in budget 2023, and what this means for the electricity sector, and what comes next on the road to our net zero future. We'll talk about budget dynamics, what a budget day looks like for a trade association, and what happens in Ottawa post-budget. I will also get some book recommendations, I hope, from both of them. So, without further ado, hot off a webinar for our members on the nuts and bolts of the budget, here is Michael and Julia, recorded on Zoom on March 29, 2023. Welcome, Julia and Michael. Hello, hey, Francis. Francis. It's great to be here. Here we have a budget, uh, a budget that's a follow-up to the fall economic statement uh, of last uh, last last fall that signaled a, a bunch of interesting things for our sector. Uh, it's, before we get into the details of the budget, and I don't I don't want to you know go into like the real nuts and bolts details. We'll make sure that there's a link on the show page. Uh, maybe Julia, why don't, why don't we start uh, with a, a little bit about you know the environment within which we're operating, the um, you know the, the context within which the budget uh, has moved forward, and, and uh, you know as a reminder to the listener um, on the on the wall behind my desk here is that countdown clock to, to 2035. Sure, thank you, Francis. Um, I, I think that there were a lot of different factors that led to a tremendous electricity budget for our sector. Uh, we saw signals of this in the fall with a very positive fall economic statement uh, that that really looked to allow our members to build faster and ease regulatory burden. Uh, I think that there were other factors outside of uh, the the fantastic work that we've been doing at Electricity Canada. One really is the fact that climate change is is real and significant and people believe it. And we know that electricity is part of the solution to climate change. And the other really is the Inflation Reduction Act and the impact that that the announcement and the rolling out of the Inflation Reduction Act has had on our sector. So I think between climate change, uh, the IRA, and just the, the real recognition from this government that electricity is part of the solution led to a really fantastic uh, budget for us last night. So, Michael, uh, the fall economic statement, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time uh, working with folks because it, it launched a, a whole series of consultations. Uh, as Julia noted, um, you know, it was uh, designed to, to spur some building, but it, it didn't apply to everything and it didn't apply to everybody, right? No, it didn't. And so uh, what we saw with the fall economic statement, which is normally uh, a bit of a, a course correction over the course of the year, that everyone calls a mini budget. And in this case, in 2022, it really was, uh, well, more than a mini budget with substantial new tax credits. 
uh, for for our sector. So for clean technology uh, investments in uh, wind and solar and batteries and SMRs, but but only if you pay taxes. So that if you could get thirty percent refundable back on the capital cost of a project, uh, but uh, that really only applied to private entities. And uh, in Canada, when you're looking at figuring out a way in which you can build out the electricity system, uh, a lot of our sector is made up of by non-tax paying entities. So uh, they could be crown corporations, it could be municipal entities, uh, and more broadly uh, for indigenous groups uh, or indigenous companies and pension plans, which don't pay taxes. And so that was a gap. Uh, mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time over the past uh, six months lo looking at ways in which um, we could uh, encourage the government to to bridge this gap. And uh, what ended up happening was the creation of a new clean electricity uh, investment tax credit, which will be 15% and cover uh, more groups. So basically anyone is eligible for it, uh, but also more things. So beyond all the things that I listed, it will also include uh, large hydro and large mm -hmm. nuclear. It will uh, include refurbishments and will include interprovincial transmission. And what's really interesting about this is the government has put in a, a provisio of sorts that ties getting the ITC or this ITC to also showing that uh, you're making a corresponding uh, savings to the ratepayers. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've been confidently going around saying a federal dollar in is a dollar off uh, a customer's bill eventually. And, uh, you know, the, the federal government is saying, okay, go for it. Yeah. And, and I think we might want to unpack a little bit of that. But before we get to that, um, also on the context, Julia, your team has been doing some polling. Uh, and so uh, uh, you've probably got a sense of like how important the, the, those, those, those three basic uh, things that the electricity sector uh, delivers, uh, you know, reliability, uh, uh, a clean electricity system and affordability. How do they rank? How do they rate? What's most important to customers? Because this clearly is something that would have been feeding into, uh, well, our, our plans, but also uh, where the government wanted to go with this. Yeah, that's a really good question, Francis, and certainly one that we've been paying attention to, because just two years ago, we saw that, and, and I just mentioned climate change is becoming more and more important to Canadians. But when we did a survey uh, focused on affordability uh, just this past fall, we saw that Canadians are actually mostly concerned about affordability when they mm -hmm. get their electricity bill. Right. The second thing they're most concerned about is reliability. And then a distant third is actually the climate and receiving clean energy. So our customers are less concerned about the type of electricity they're getting, uh, whether it's clean, and they are mostly concerned about how much it's going to cost them. And we saw that reflected, I believe, in the budget today, that the entire entirety of chapter one was really focused on uh, small things that will help the middle class of Canada feel more comfortable as they move forward with inflation rising and the cost of living going up every day. Mm -hmm. So we, we had a budget yesterday, Michael, the, I guess the, the headline for some of us in our sector was this, it was a good day for electricity. We, we heard different numbers being batted around. I was listening to, to the radio this morning and somebody was saying, well, when you total up all of the, the stuff for uh, sort of the clean uh, electricity and the energy transition, it's, it's $80, $80 billion. And you and I were at a, uh, an event last night where somebody from the government was saying, you know, it's $40 billion. 
doesn't matter what the number is. This is a, this is a, probably the most significant uh, budget for the electricity sector. What are what are some of the big uh, items, the big planks? As I said, we'll, we'll put a link to the uh, to the budget on the show page. But what are the big things that are in the budget um, that are are going to make a difference? Well, you know, there's three things. Uh, one, I think, is funding, and we'll get on that in a second. The second is on adding a bit of uh, clarity and consistency and certainty to some of the, the rules in which we operate. And then finally is, is how do we pick up the pace on building? On funding, um, you know, th- there's lots of big numbers being tossed around. The interesting thing is the government has uh, approached and, and they have a, a, a very detailed pyramid of electricity strategy. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the top of it is, you know, different ways in which they're going to uh, support the financing of our sector. And uh, at the the base of it is uh, funding tools that are accessible to anyone or any electricity company and are are predictable. And so we talked about an investment tax credit, but really what that means is that the federal government, uh, once it's open, will give you 15% of the cost of the, the stuff that goes into a project. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really big deal. That is uh, a new area for the federal government to be moving into. And I think it reflects an understanding on the government's part that the uh, requirements for us to build more uh, and faster is is something that's being set by them. And so there should probably be a corresponding investment by them. There's also top ups to, uh, you know, program funding that's been around for a while uh, to make it uh, to recapitalize it and also new loan programs through things like the Canada Infrastructure Bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The interesting thing about the numbers is some of them, we just don't know what the answer will be. If our members get building and build lots of clean electricity between, uh, you know, during the life of that uh, electricity investment tax credit, um, it is a tax credit. There's not really a you know a cap to it, which is which so. Really so exciting. there's no so there's no cap. So it, it'll be until the government they says a, they that it's no longer they have an investment. But yeah, it's yeah. it's thirty four years. Um, the other piece, or at least as I understand these things, um, mm-hmm. but the uh, other piece uh, on both uh, predictability and pace. Uh, you know, members that are about to make substantial investments, you know, billions of dollars to invest in carbon capture plants mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, hydrogen electrolysis plants and these sorts of things. Um, uh, you know, firming up uh, details around the Canada Growth Fund, which is a tool that will um, provide certainty and help uh, remove risk from big investments, uh, particularly with something called contracts for differences or carbon contracts for differences, which basically assure the carbon price over a longer period of time mm-hmm. will uh, help me- our members and people that are building big projects uh, know that the financials of the investment they're making and the, the lenders to those projects know the financials are there uh, last, uh, you know, more certain. And then even expanding beyond that to a more uh, open to everyone contracts for difference regime. And finally, building things faster. You know, you have a clock behind you, which I mm-hmm. you know this is a podcast, you can't see it but it ticks down a day every day. And the, I, the government has recognized that we need to pick up the pace on major projects. The, the title is actually building major projects faster in the budget. And so a commitment to uh, get things moving uh, with a, a plan on how we can do that faster by the end of the year. And the, the key thing I think with all these, we've been talking about the need for a Canadian electricity strategy for mm-hmm. uh, several months now, and these are pieces of that. And so you know, I'm really excited to see that uh, when we've been talking about the need for you know, funding, clarity, and pace, um, that movement is starting to happen on that. And, you no, know, it's not tied together in a strategy yet, but 
um, that we're, we're moving in that direction is it's really exciting news. Yeah. So uh, we had, of course, a number of uh, things that, that that we were seeking as part of the process. Um, you know, uh, uh, along along with a lot of other stakeholders, we provide input into uh, into the pre-budget uh, consultation process. Um, we also just recently published our annual state of the industry. Julia, our our state of the industry has a title that isn't too far off from the uh, from the uh, from the budget. Uh, but our state of the industry was was titled "Build It." Um, mm -hmm. how close, uh, did we come to seeing, uh, the government delivering upon, um, what it is that we've been asking for, uh, both in the, our state of the industry and, and in some of our, our, our previous, um, uh, requests. I feel very optimistic that, uh, they were listening when we published this year's state of the industry entitled build it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we made a lot of good points uh, within that are reflected in this budget and the list of recommendations included in our pre-budget submission, we were checking boxes all, all night. We right. really felt like they had listened and delivered. I think one thing that I'm uh, continue to be cautiously optimistic with is the ease of which uh, major projects can can be approved and receive permits for. Mm -hmm. As you know, we are ranked 64th in the world uh, by the World Bank in terms of ease of approvals and processes. So that certainly lessens our competitiveness as a as a sector if it takes a long time to uh, receive approvals and get big projects through. But everything that this chapter indicated uh, between the the phrase one project, one assessment mm -hmm. uh, it, it is giving me optimism that uh, our members will be able to um, really invest in major infrastructure projects and go through quicker approval processes um, with this government budget. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and you, you and I were at an event uh, pre-budget yesterday. Well, Michael was well. Michael was locked up uh, in, in the budget lockup, and uh, I, I'd like to talk about that in a little bit as well because I think the reader might find that process interesting. But while Michael was locked uh, at the lockup, you and I uh, were at a, a an event where we heard from a number of regulators, um, the uh, uh, head of the Impact Assessment Agency, the Canadian Energy Regulator. We heard from the Canadian Infrastructure Bank yesterday as well. Um, what we were hearing yesterday from all of these various players was entirely consistent with, uh, with where this budget is heading, isn't it? I mean, it, it, they, they seem to be going in that, in, in, in that same general direction. Very much so. There, there's, there's such an openness to working together. And I think that we can develop a, an idea that, that the regulators and that the impact assessment agency are really trying to stop projects. But that wasn't the sense that I got yesterday at all. I really got the sense that they understand the importance of these major projects. At the same time, there are checks and balances that we need to achieve in order to make sure that nothing is being harmed while these projects are being built. I felt that uh, we have the support of our regulators to get moving. And you mentioned the Canada Infrastructure Bank. There's also an openness and willingness to engage with our members and find out how we can partner on major infrastructure projects. So I think, you know, a lot of the stakeholders, a lot of the people that Michael is talking to on a day-to-day -day basis, they are at the table. They want to talk to us and they want to make sure this, pro this process, it's not going to be easy, but they certainly want it to uh, be as effective as possible and and they want to streamline their processes so that our members can go through 
one process and uh, one assessment for every project. Hey, Michael, I mentioned that you were in the lockup yesterday. Um, for the listener, uh, I, I've been I've been in the lockups uh, as well. Um, why don't you tell the listener what that experience is like? Is are you like you're going into the cone of silence, right? Uh, <laughs> there's there's no ability to communicate with the outside world while you're in there. Um, well, the the joke with the cone of silence, of course, is that you can't talk to anyone else in the cone of silence. The uh, uh, I think the, if you take a step back uh, and remember that the budget itself is released at four o'clock or just after when the Minister of Finance starts her speech in uh, the in the House of Commons. The reason it's four is because uh, there's market affecting mechanisms in the budget and you don't want anyone to get an upper hand. Uh, but what they do is they give uh, stakeholders and journalists uh, an early look uh, and it's called a lockup because literally uh, they take our phones away, um, or in, in this case, they seal them in little manila envelopes and uh, under threat of punishment of law, uh, make you keep them off and check that your computer's turned off and then put everyone in a big conference room in the Sir John A. McDonald building on Parliament Hill. And then uh, you get a chance to go through the budget. So they have little rounds of well-dressed people uh, with computers uh, drinking mediocre coffee and trying to figure out what is in the document itself. We get in for, we get the budget at about one, um, stakeholders, and then uh, are released at about four. And so we get three hours to go through. And to get a sense of what it is, is that it's kind of like taking an open book test where you don't know what the questions are. And so uh, you have to have a strategy to uh, go through and read it. I myself um, start with the physical paper copy of the book, I check to see what's in the table of contents because that will give you uh, a sense of what's there. Find the key sections, try to figure it out uh, while reading, and then uh, you know do a control up afterwards. Uh, they have officials from the department and from minister's office uh, lurking about in case you have questions, which you can ask on on deep background uh, to give context and uh, you know figure out what things mean. Like as an example, we talked about the tax credit. I was confused about where it ended and where it began and mm -hmm. whether it replaced something else and was able to ask uh, a policy advisor to Minister Freeland who told me that it was everything, you know, what the answer was. Um, and so it's a bit of a, a writing contest uh, pretty much afterwards to get your memo ready so that when four o'clock comes, I can send a memo back to or most of a memo back to the team here at the Electricity Canada offices so that we can get our notes out uh, to our members but also uh, start saying things about it uh, in public uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, so so uh, sending that information back to the team uh, at Electricity Canada. Uh, Julia, over to you. You're running a war room basically yesterday. Uh, you've got everybody lined up and everybody ready to go. Why don't you tell the reader a little bit about the experience of of, of that side of things while we're waiting while we're we're waiting for uh, for for uh, for Michael uh, to to come back from the uh, the the budget lockup. What's happening back here? Well, the first thing we want to do is give the our general public and our social media following a very quick snapshot of like, yes or no. Are we happy or are we disappointed? Or, you know, we've had budgets in the last couple of years where we're like, huh, there, you know, there was kind of something for everyone. Mm -hmm. So yesterday by 4.30, we had uh, posted to social media that we were very pleased with with how this um, how this trans transpired. Uh, Michael had given us the heads up that it was a very positive budget from his experience in the lockup. And we had also received signals the week prior 
So we were able to get that out really quickly. Uh, we had already touched base with the media prior to our our war room experience so that we could say, you know, if you want to talk electricity and we're hearing this is an electricity budget, we'll be on hand to answer those questions. And so we were ready with that, but we still issued a news release uh, by five o'clock. So it's really all hands on deck, making sure that we've got subject matter experts in the room, working with our communications team to make sure the message is digestible, um, but also, you know, right which is why we have the smes mm -hmm. in the room um so we get that out and then and then we really focus on putting together a really solid member bulletin which is really just everything that affects our sector and that our members care about in one document so we mm -hmm. put that together over the next couple of hours and then out it went around seven o'clock and then it's picking up all the pieces making sure everything's translated properly everyone has received what they need to receive and uh and that and that's when we're able to to either celebrate um a good budget or look ahead to the next budget yeah okay so i want to i want to circle back to whether to celebrate and looking ahead uh to the next budget in in a moment but first um michael what's the what was sort of the top line for you uh coming out of the uh, uh the budget lockup um which you know basically it kind of summarizes um what the budget means for for the electricity sector generally uh, the federal government has decided it wants to invest in the electricity sector uh, directly. Um, and uh, that, I think, is a recognition of where the scale of investment that's required and what that means for people in the future. That they are, uh, you know, it's it's funny, you, you talk to folks in government and they talk a lot about, and the, the budget does too, that there is a, a basically a stick-based approach, lots of regulations, carbon pricing, uh, and there has to be a corresponding response with incentives or carrots, um, and in the U.S., it's all it's all carrots all the time. Uh, but here, uh, the federal government has decided that there is a role for it to play. That uh, when it comes to affordability and the system, that they must play in there, and and that's a pretty cool thing because um, you know those sorts of shifts in federal perspective don't happen very often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um... It sounds then like like uh, this was this was a good budget. Was it cause for celebration, Julia? Yes. What do you think? Oh, okay. Cause for celebration. She better you know, not say no. I don't. <laughs> I, I I I think the government is probably really cautious to say that there are winners and losers in a budget. I think the best budget has a little bit of something for everyone, but I think in this case we were the winners in this budget. We we were chapter three, lots of investments. We've been heard. I think there was reason to celebrate last night and we can confidently say that our sector uh, is is has been rewarded for its desire to move towards uh, a clean energy future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you you had you had me uh, queued up to to do a number of media uh, uh, interviews um, leading up to the budget, but also following and and on that question, I was asked a couple a couple of times by folks today in terms of winners and losers. And I, uh, I I'm with you. Uh, and and what I've been saying is uh, that the, the 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 real winners from our perspective on this over the longer term are going to be electricity customers uh, because it addresses it addresses our concerns about uh, about affordability overall. So so what next? Uh, Michael, we, we we have a budget. We we've got a sense that it's going to be significant, uh, potentially transformative for the electricity sector. Um, what are we? You know, as as Julia said, we we now start thinking about 
uh, you know, implementation of this, and then we'll be thinking about the fall economic statement, and then we'll be thinking about next year's budget. Um, what what are we looking for next? Was there anything missing? Uh, and you know, what do we want to see uh, down the road? Um, so, in terms of next, there, there's still questions. Like we talked about, up uh, re like recapitalization of some funding, um, yeah. the tax credits, how details to be sorted out. So there's there's work to do on that. There's work to do on what the contracts for differences and the building faster plans look like. And I think more broadly, there's still work to do on connecting all the pieces as a Canadian electricity strategy. Um, the other gap, I think, that um, we'll have to start thinking about as we move forward is what we do with Canada's distribution, electricity distribution system, mm -hmm. which will require investments. Uh, and it's not included in the uh, tax credits and is limited by you know what's in the the, the funding from programs that were, were capitalized. That's that's where we are. Um, but the biggest, you know, the really big next thing for us is yesterday was all about carrots, but waiting around the corner is the can the clean electricity regulations, which will be out sometime later this year, mm -hmm. uh, likely in June sometime, uh, which will tell us what the rules are and how uh, the fuel mix of the electricity grid will look like post 2035. Um, the budget helps answer some of the affordability questions around that transition, uh, but the practicality and the implementation and what that all looks like uh, is uh, is still unseen, and that'll be a lot of focus for us over the summer. Mm -hmm. And. Julia, the customer and thinking about how the customer might react if they react at all, because, um, you know, looking at the media, much of the focus has not been on, on what happened in the electricity sector, but maybe a more general question. Um, communicating with customers about electricity and the value of electricity is hard, isn't it? How do you how do you how do you actually have those sorts of conversations? Yeah, it's a it's a very tough balancing act because. On the one hand, we want to promote all of the innovative work that our member companies are doing. But on the other side, and we know this from the polling that I mentioned, customers are very concerned about price and, and they'll attribute all of those innovations to their the rising cost of their electricity bill. There is an education gap that we have to address. And, and we're working with our members to put together, uh, I don't want to say a campaign yet, we're not sure what this will look like, but we are putting together materials that will help inform customers that a clean energy future in the long run will lead to a more affordable and sustainable future for everyone. So it's it's hard to address that long-term investment. And I, you mentioned it, it's it's why, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the dental plan is getting more coverage today because that's an immediate win for Canadian customers. Um, but this is a long-term win and that's what right. we need to focus on educating customers on. So you'll see that coming from us in the next couple of months, messaging around the importance of clean electricity and keeping things affordable for Canadians. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that timeline is a is an important uh, a factor to to keep in mind, and and we talked about this earlier today, actually in in, in a different meeting. But yeah, what we're talking about here is uh, the potential impact uh, on electricity prices, not tomorrow, but in twenty thirty and twenty thirty five. Uh, that's I guess that's you know the, the kind of investments that we're looking at now are ones that that will result in 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 blunting uh, potential impacts on the price of electricity to the end customer in the in a generation. Michael, it, it, oh it, sorry, go can ahead. Can I Julie. add one more thing? Um, yeah. It, we've been talking about how what we really need to do is prepare customers for 
certain rate increases. But a budget like this one, it, it helps us rethink what we might be communicating. It's, you mm -hmm. know, if, if possible, like rate increases are inevitable, it's, it's part of life. Um, but with big investments like this to our sector, I think that the, the message can change a little bit. It, it isn't, this is a definite thing that's going to happen. You have to prepare for higher bills. It, it becomes more of a message of we're preparing for the future. So this budget, I think, offers a lot of hope to what we're going to be communicating to customers in, in the near future. Mm -hmm. And Michael, let me let me uh, just switch back to you know kind of what happens in Ottawa post budget. Um, you know, the, the people used to make jokes about you know Ottawa was the Ottawa was the city where where fun goes to die, or they roll up the sidewalks at five p.m. And um, but budget night is a is a, a happening night in the bars and restaurants in Ottawa, isn't it? Yeah, so, well, really a bar in Ottawa, um, but we, we do have more than one or two, so it's worth clarifying that. Uh, Metropolitan, which has taken over, uh, which is next to the Chateau Laureate, has sort of taken over the role of um, lobbyist and Politico hangout uh, from Highs, which was a steakhouse that yep. existed on Queen Street for some time. And so the the tradition is that people go and they, they celebrate a budget. Um, by having a drink or two or more in some cases. It's a good spot to see political staffers of all stripes, uh, elected officials themselves. There was at least a couple of cabinet ministers hanging out and uh, and talk about what's there. So uh, not that I should say, it's usually too difficult to encourage uh, politicos and lobbyists to go find an excuse to have a drink, so. How, cr how crowded was it last night? Uh, it was very full uh, and uh, it was about a 15 or minute wait if you wanted to get a glass of wine by flagging someone and getting and they they ran out of beer at one point on at least some of the taps so. wow okay all right okay let me let me just uh, switch back to a question that i ask everybody who comes on the podcast and that is for your book recommendations to add uh, uh books to the flux capacitor uh book club and so i will start with julia julia what book uh should we add to our uh, to our reading list well, I have been reading a Made in Canada plan, strong middle class, affordable economy, healthy future for the last two days. Would that One be day. the, the budget? Yes. The budget plan. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> it's a big book. It's 338 pages, lots of charts and graphs, but uh, you'll be happy reading it if you work for the sector. But in my spare time, I'm reading Where the Crawdads Sing, probably five years late, but it's a fantastic book. Okay. Where the if you like fictional seems. novels about the Deep South. Okay. Terrific. Uh, I, I should just say, before you come to me, Francis, that my only criticism of the budget this year is that it doesn't have an easy-to-type title. Uh, normally, it's like A Fairer Canada or uh, mm -hmm. building towards a, a middle-class prosperity or something. Uh, but it's not even clear to me if it's a Made in Canada plan, strong middle-class, affordable. Anyway, it's just, it's not tidy. And when I was writing my note, I couldn't just italicize <laughs> one thing. So if Christia Freeland could take one little piece of advice, it would be... A tidier, is, ti uh, a tidier title a, you want. A tidier, a tidier title for memos. Uh, but in seriousness, I am reading The Power Broker uh, by Robert Caro, or I guess... I'm listening to it. I have it on Audible, um, it, mostly because it seemed like a good deal because it's like 80 hours of listening. Um, but I know Robert Moses, of course, uh, famous for uh, perhaps infamous for what he uh, did for building up the park system in New York, uh, which usually involved uh, 
adding roads. Uh, and so that is what attracted it to me. But it's a really interesting, uh, which I hadn't realized, look at um, you know New York State and city power and just what it takes to get things done in places and, and build coalitions, which is uh, really interesting. So if you have two work weeks to spare, I do suggest uh, listening to that. Okay, 80 hours. All right, well, Michael and Julia, thank you for taking the time to to jump on the podcast and, and giving the listener an opportunity to, to get a sense of what was in the budget. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future episodes. Please take the time to rate the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen. And let me know what you think of the Flux Capacitor. You can find me on Twitter as at Brad Bradley. By the way, you can find Michael on Twitter as at MB Powell and Julia. She's Julia Elizabeth M. The website is thefluxcapacitor.ca, and it includes links for this episode on the show page, this being episode 76. And while you're there, check out the book club page, which provides info and links to the books which have been recommended by guests of the Flux Capacitor, including Julia's recommendation, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, and Michael's recommendation, The Power Broker, Robert Moses and the Fall of New York, which he's listening to on audio. And let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca. Mm-hmm.